you. Thank you. Thank you. In their 2011 song, Adam and Eve, Matthew West and Lee Nash sang these words. If I could, I'd rewrite history. I'd choose differently. I'd leave out the part where I broke your heart in the garden shade, fix the mess I made. If I could, I would. If I could hold one memory, it would surely be how you walked with us. I'd go back in time and tell my first lie and let love's injury heal in spite of me. If I could, I would. You still love us more than we believed you could. Could there be something more? Will it ever be the way it was before? Have you ever done something that you have regretted and wished you had a second chance to choose again? This morning, we're going to look at that choice that Adam and Eve made in a sermon entitled, A Leather Sign. And our text is from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. If you have your Bibles with you or your phones with you, please pull out this passage, Genesis chapter 3, and we will go verse by verse, verses 1 through 8. Verse 1 says, The serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Now, nowhere in this passage does it say that it was Satan. It, is, it always refers to it as being a serpent. But when you study the passage and the consequences of what happened, how the New Testament talks about this passage, you will know that it is Satan who possessed the serpent and is talking through the serpent. Now, this verse is a rephrasing of the original commandment that God made. So the original commandment was in chapter 2 and verse 16. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put up the original commandment that God put up, that God said, and then compare it to how Satan modified it. And let's see if there are any differences. So the original command is in chapter 2, verse 16. The Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Now listen to the modification of Satan. He said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, when you compare the two seemingly similar commands, there are four subtle differences that you will see introduced here by Satan. The first is that he takes the command of God and asks the question, really? And you see that over the last several decades of Christianity and American culture, that we have taken certain commands from the Bible and asked the question, really? Did God really say that? Is that what the Bible really says? There are Christian leaders in recent past that have taken scripture from the Bible and have asked the question, really? Somebody will say, well, I think that everything in the Bible should make sense. I'm going to disagree with that. I don't think everything in the Bible makes sense. And this is why. There are some things that are logical. There are some things that are illogical. 
The mistake we make is thinking that those are the only two options. But I think that there is a third option. There is logical, there is illogical, and there is supralogical, which is above logic. There are many things in the Bible that is not logical simply because our minds are too small to accommodate God's logic. And so in our shallow minds, we think that is illogical when it is actually supralogical. If you have a five-year-old kid and the five-year-old kid wants to run out on the streets and play, in your mind as a parent, you know there are weirdos out there and so you're watching your kid like a hawk. When you explain it to your child why you're watching them like a hawk, as far as they are concerned, it is not logical. But that doesn't mean it is illogical. It means it is supralogical because a kid cannot understand it. There are many things in the Bible that are supralogical and therefore culture and we think it is illogical, but that is not true. The second thing that Satan does is that he uses the name God instead of the covenant name Lord. So in the preceding passage, the phrase is always Lord God and the term is always Lord or the word Jehovah. Instead, Satan substitutes the word Jehovah and uses the word Elohim. What is the difference? Elohim is that relationship between a king and a subject or a creator and a creature. Uh, Lord Jehovah is the relationship between that of a parent and a child. So you see what Satan did? He took away the relationship of a parent and a child and substituted it with that of a king and a subject. And it was so subtle that Eve missed it. The third thing that he did is that he rewords the command by adding the word not at the beginning of the clause and the word any at the end of the clause. And whenever there's a not and a any in a clause, it is what is called as an absolute prohibition. This is related to the fourth change that he makes where he omits the word freely. He omits the word freely, and the word freely shows the generosity of God. But he omits it, and so Satan refurbished the command of God to his own interests. There are alternate interpretations of the Bible all the time. You go outside and you will listen to alternate interpretations of scripture. But let me remind you of this fact, that for every scripture verse, there can be only one interpretation. There can be only one interpretation. There, there can be some ambiguity of what that interpretation is because of the ambiguity of the original languages. But there can be only one interpretation on any given verse. You can have a million applications of that interpretation, but not a million interpretations of that verse. But Satan here gives an alternate interpretation of the original command... <coughs> And we come to verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. So we saw the difference in the original commandment from God and in the alternate interpretation that Satan had. 
Now what we're going to do is to see the original command from God and compare it with what Eve thought was the command of God after encountering Satan. So let's compare the two. It's in chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. So when you compare the two, what the original commandment was and what Eve said about the commandment, there are two significant differences. One is that she changes her reference of God. It's not Lord anymore. It's God. So you see how she moved from being a parent-child relationship, Jehovah, she moved into that relationship of a king and subject and made it impersonal. The second change that she did was that she also omitted the word freely. And without the word freely, life with God is bondage. And you see how Eve is starting to move away already. She should not have even had any contact with Satan and the serpent, but she did, and even that simple contact resulted in her moving away. And so we come to verses 4 and 5. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So after a series of partial truths, where Satan got the opportunity to make himself trustworthy, now he directly opposes God. Sometimes when there is a partial truth, there is a tendency for us to think of it as a truth as opposed to a partial truth. If you've read the book, The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown, you will see the relationship between partial truth and a lie. So in the Da Vinci Code, before the content of the book, there is a prologue. Before the prologue, there is another page that he has in the book that says fact. And in that page, he talks about the Priory of Sion and the Opus Dei. And then he writes this sentence. He says, all descriptions of artwork, architecture, documents, and secret rituals in this novel are accurate. And so when you read that and you read the rest of the book, since the basic architectural description is factual, there is a tendency to think that everything is factual. He uses factual events and factual architecture and builds on it a bunch of nonsense about the Christian faith, not based on anything. And so this is what is happening here in the Garden of Eden. There is a partial truth, and so Satan made himself trustworthy so that Eve would believe him. There are three things that he did. Firstly, he attacked the freedom of life in God. Satan attacks the freedom of life in God. As we said, he omitted the word freely. Without the word freely... What Satan was basically saying, he ignored the 10,000 other trees in the Garden of Eden and he focused on the one thing that they were not supposed to do. Secondly, he denies the penalty of sin. In verse 4 it says, you will surely not die. This is essentially what he does. He highlights the fleeting positives while ignoring the brutal negatives of sin. Thirdly, 
Satan questions the motives of God. In verse 5 it says, God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Satan is essentially questioning the goodness and the love of God. He is saying that if God really loved you, he would enable you to be the person that you could have been. And then we have the second saddest verse in all of scripture. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. It says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. The conversation she had with Satan was so powerful. And you can see how this whole thing unravels in slow motion as millions of angels watch in horror as Eve takes the fruit, thinks about it, and eats it. The purity was defiled. What was good was no longer perfect. Where was Adam in all of this? The second person pronoun that is used in those five verses, the word you, is always in the plural form, which means that Adam was right there. He was right there, and all these references that say you in the first five verses are always implying both of them. In response to the threefold temptation by Satan, there is a threefold belief by Adam and Eve. Firstly, they believed a freedom lie. They believe the freedom lie, that life with God is bondage. We still think that, don't we? We still think that if you become a Christian, it is bondage. That our freedom is curtailed. That God is going to tell us to do something that it's going to make us completely miserable. That lie still exists. And since then, man has always been trying to run away from God because he wants to be, quote, free. In 1936, Arthur Gitterman wrote his poem, The March of Signs, in which he said, first dentistry was painless, then bicycles were chainless, and carriages were horseless, and many laws enforceless. Next, cookery was fireless, telegraphy was wireless, cigars were nicotineless, and coffee caffeineless. Soon oranges were seedless, the putting green was weedless, the college boy was hatless, the proper diet fatless. New motor roads are dustless, the latest steel is rustless, our tennis courts are sodless, our new religion godless. What was true in 1936 is still true today. We are always trying to run away from God and live a godless life so that we can be free. The second lie that they believed in is the penalty lie. That sin does not have any consequence and you can do what you want and God doesn't care. And that sin does not lead to death as God said. But Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death. And Ezekiel 18 verse 20 says, The soul who sins will die. Humans still believe the penalty lie that you can do whatever you want. And it doesn't matter. The third lie that they believed is the motive lie, where they questioned the love and the goodness of God. And till today, 
We believe the motive lie. Anytime something goes wrong, anytime there is a tragedy, anytime we suffer, we question if God loves us. And that is the motive lie. If we suffer, then God must not be good. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They ate the fruit thinking they would become this all-wise, have all this knowledge, but the only knowledge that they received was that they were naked and of their shame, which is a sad exchange when you think about it. They received death, in exchange for this wisdom. It's like if you had a big house and a big car and big property and you exchanged all of that for a number two pencil. It just doesn't make sense. It was a terrible exchange. Let me ask you a question. Why didn't they die immediately? Why didn't they die immediately? Is it that God was a liar? And is it that Satan told the truth when he said, you will not die? They didn't die immediately. I believe that they didn't die immediately because of what happened in verse 21. The Bible says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife. God came down and sacrificed an animal for them. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. If you ever need forgiveness, you need the shedding of blood. That means, when it says the shedding of blood, it doesn't mean a blood donation drive. It means somebody is dying. The only way that humans can be forgiven is if somebody else dies. So from the beginning, the only way Adam and Eve would not die is if an animal died or something else died. And so God came down and performed the first sacrifice. He killed the animal and clothed them. And from that point, there have been many sacrifices. The official sacrificial system was established by Moses, but between Adam and Moses, there were multiple sacrifices first started by God. So in Genesis chapter 4 and 5, we know that Abel brought his sacrifice. Cain was trying to bring in broccoli that he didn't like on his dinner plate. Abel brought his sacrifice, and his sacrifice was accepted because that sacrifice involved death. In Genesis 8, we talk about Noah that brought sacrifices. Genesis 22, Abraham brought a sacrifice. Genesis 31 and 46, Jacob brought a sacrifice. Exodus 18, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a sacrifice. And then from then on, Moses established the official sacrificial system. There always needs to be a sacrifice. Somebody needs to die for the forgiveness of sins. And from the beginning, God established an animal to die. But that animal sacrifice was always going to be temporary. For in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4 it says, It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Why is it that an animal sacrifice is temporary? Because you can't really substitute an animal for a human. 
So even if a human says, I will die for another human, even that it doesn't work because it is one imperfect human being getting sacrificed for another imperfect human being, that won't work either. So in Genesis chapter 3, we see a leather sign that God established that would look forward to the perfect sacrifice, that of Jesus Christ. And so that happened about 2,000 years ago when the perfect Lamb of God arrived on earth in order to be that sacrifice. And at the cross, the three things that Adam and Eve failed at and believed in were fulfilled. Firstly, the cross gave freedom. Adam and Eve thought that they could just run away and be free, but they actually ran away into bondage. Instead, the cross actually gives freedom. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Secondly, the penalty of sin. They believed a lie that there wouldn't be a penalty of sin, and they ran away into death. But in John chapter 3 and verse 16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And thirdly, the third lie, the motive lie, about the love of God, they had questioned the motives of God. And at the cross in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. On January 13, 1982, Air Florida Boeing 727 flight number 90 took off from the Washington DC National Airport headed towards Fort Lauderdale. The plane had just come earlier in the afternoon from Miami and was now headed back to Fort Lauderdale. But there was a snowstorm in Washington DC and there was a delay. There was ice on the plane and they de-iced the, the plane a little bit, but then the pilot wanted to leave as soon as possible to get back to Florida. So there was a 45 minute delay before they could even get on the only usable runway at the DC National Airport. When they finally got on the runway and they made it to the runway, it had been 45 minutes and the plane wasn't de-iced again. To make matters worse, the pilot failed to turn on the self-de-icing system of the plane. When the plane finally left that runway, it had so much ice on it that it could attain only a few miles of altitude. 30 seconds after it left, less than a mile from where it left, the plane crashed into the 14th Street Bridge, hitting seven cars and killing four people, and then it landed into the Potomac River. It was an icy afternoon when the plane crashed into the Potomac River. Of the 79 people on board, 73 of them died on impact. There were six survivors that were now faced with trying to survive hypothermia and the icy cold waters of the Potomac River. And as the horrified bystanders watched, Right in front of their eyes, they could see the six people drowning in front of them. 
To break the horrified silence came this rescue helicopter, and the helicopter came over to where the wreckage of the plane was that was now sinking fast. They let down a rescue line. The first person who caught that rescue line was a 46-year-old bank examiner by the name of Arland Williams. He had the chance to get up through the rescue line and be saved. Instead, he passed that line to somebody else. That somebody else went up and they were saved. The helicopter came back again the second time. They sent down the line again. Arlen Williams caught the line again. Instead of going up, he gave it to somebody else. This happened three more times. By the sixth time, when the helicopter was coming back for the sixth and final time, the wreckage on which Arlen Williams was on tipped over and exhausted with fatigue and hypothermia, Arlen Williams drowned. He was the only passenger on that plane to die by drowning. Ladies and gentlemen, 2,000 years ago, Jesus made that sacrifice. Without his death, we would never see life. The penalty that Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden resulted in death. And the only way death could be overcome was by a perfect human sacrifice in place of imperfect people. And Jesus Christ made that sacrifice. I want to give the chance to two groups of people to respond to the sermon. If there's anybody here who's never invited Jesus into your life, you can pray a prayer after me that I will pray shortly. And if it's a prayer that comes up from the bottom of your heart, God will answer that prayer. The second group of people, if there's anybody who thinks that the Christian life is bondage, or if there's anybody here who ignores sin and the consequence of sin, or if there's anybody here who questions the love and the motive of God, you can also pray with me. Let's close our eyes. If there's anybody here who's never invited Jesus into your life, you can pray this prayer after me. This prayer is not a magical prayer, but if it is a genuine, heartfelt prayer, then it will be answered. You can pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner and I need you. I deserve the penalty of death because of sin. But I thank you for the sacrifice that you made that promises me life. I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, and make me whole again. Thank you for the substitution of your life in place of my death. Thank you for your life, your death, and resurrection. Help me to live a life that is committed to you. In Jesus' name, amen.